What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is the latest episode of the 1796 Sports Podcast. As always, I got Jim and Ryan with me. Before we get started today, I just want to give a special shout out to Grade A Grounds. You've heard of them. They're a sponsor of the show, friends of the show, and they sent us some coffee. And let me tell you, it is awesome. Um, They sent us the Brazilian bean medium roast in original and blueberry, and they're both phenomenal. Highly recommend it. It's great coffee for a great cause. So let's get into it, boys. Big basketball game yesterday. Uh, it went about as well as it possibly could have gone. The Vols handled business at home with a nice 20-point win over Alabama, 91-71. to And, yeah, it, w- it was pretty great. Uh, Connect led in scoring with 25 Adu had another big game with 19, and guess what? Jordan Ganey reemerged, 15 points off the bench. Oh yeah, and you know it's funny if you're in the Vol Discord, which I highly recommend. I was kind of you know speculating it at first, but uh, I did, we did a watch party in there, and let me tell you, I said it right at the beginning when Ganey first came in. I said all we need is for him to hit his first shot. And if he hits his first shot, he's going to hit a couple. And by golly, he did. And, um, man, with if he stays doing that, even if he hits three threes, bro, that's huge. That's huge for this team. And, I mean, the whole team, they, they were playing with a lot of energy. The crowd was in it. Um, I just want to say Mark Sears is absolute trash. I don't care. Uh, about the 22 points he had, they all came, pretty much came in garbage time. Uh, Zakai Ziegler was owning him the whole dang game. And what can you say? I, I have nothing else to say about Mark Sears, but I just want to say he's trash. But uh, anyway, Ryan, you could go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I like how the broadcast crew started talking about Sears' ankle. It, it wasn't, you know his fault that he was playing bad. Uh, I was just thinking, of course it's his fault. He's being guarded by Ziegler, and then you go to a screen, and now you're switched on to Jemai Meshack. Like, yeah, it's definitely his fault. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Um, the big thing to me, guys, we got off to a great start, number one. Number two, we wreaked havoc on defense from beginning to end, no matter who was in the game. It was an absolute steel fest for us, whether it was Meshack, Ziegler, whoever. And we just took care of business. Like, did, was there any point in the game that y'all ever thought the game was in doubt? No. Me neither. Not like, not one bit. Like you said, I mean, the whole game, man, the team was playing defense like I've never seen before. And we talked about it before. I mean, you have Ganey coming in off the bench, scoring 15. It's very hard to beat this team with them playing like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, we've talked about it over and over. Like, just getting anything from Ganey is a, is a positive. And when he can be like that where he's 
you know, he went three of five from deep. It's just great to see. I mean, he's been struggling for a month now. And like we always talk about, this team can handle one key player not playing well, one or two. And, um, uh, you know, again, Triple J was, you know, kind of a non-factor. He had one point. So, but it was fine. The game was still never in doubt because everybody else on the team, like, stepped up and played well. So, it just shows you how many ways this team can beat you. I mean, yes, it feels like Connect had a very, like, hollow 25 points. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Bryce. I mean, 25 points on 8 of 20 for Dalton Connect is hilariously not a very good game for him. <laughs> right, and one one for six from three. Like, yeah. dude, this, the kid's incredible. Uh, it's kind of – it's not that we don't want to talk about him, but we talk about him every single podcast because he's that good. And, um, yeah, it's – he's a problem. And you said – I mean, eight for eight from free, the free throw line too. I mean, the kid's – he missed a couple of, like, wide-open shots, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, he definitely did. But – I, I I noticed this especially in the last game and then the two games before it. Adu last year, it took an act of Congress for him to attempt any shot other than a dunk, but especially in this last game, he just looked so freaking confident offensively. I mean, he 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 was running the show in the paint for us. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to he he dominates. I mean, unless he's playing up against an elite big man, he has dominated, and it just it's another function of the team that is just makes us that much harder to beat. Uh, the turnovers were were insane. Like, what did I, I think they finished with twenty two turnovers? Yep, and we scored twenty three points off of those turnovers. Yeah. Alabama. Alabama had three more made shots than they did turnovers. That's hilarious. Yeah, and I found it funny uh, with Pringle telling uh, Zakai he was too small at the beginning of the game, and then uh, Pringle did absolutely nothing. It was great. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing about it, I mean, the 91 points, I mean, if you can score 91 points, you're probably going to win most games. But the most impressive point to me was Alabama is – one of the most like high powered offenses in the country. So to hold them the way that we did was the most impressive point to me. Like they, nobody watching that game yesterday came away thinking Alabama was uh, unstoppable on offense. Like they just, for the first time this year, it was probably their worst offensive game of the year. It just looked like they were sloppy. They, they didn't know what to do about Mayshack. Like Mayshack was just locking down whoever he was on. And they just – they didn't have a good – and I saw Bama fans crying on Twitter about it, about how, like, poorly they are made to go against us. So, that was pretty funny. Well, all you, all you have to do is cut off the three-point line, and they're very, very beatable. I mean, they came into that game shooting almost 33s per game, and we held them to 21 attempts. And they were shooting 40% from three coming into the game, and we held them to 19% on four of 21 from, from deep. I mean, when you can do that against Alabama, you have to be trying to lose, like to not beat them. Like if you shut off the three pointer, that's that's step number one. And we executed that perfectly. 
also one of their uh, players, Nelson, was out of the game. I mean, pretty much the whole game being in foul trouble, which was huge, because uh, that kid is definitely one of their, you know, main guys on their team. So I mean, with him out as well, Mark Sears was not playing well. He had seven turnovers. Like I said, Zakai, man, him on defense and Mayshack, boy, man, those guys. It's it's like they don't have any stat like they, like their stamina is just unlimited. Yeah, yeah, guys, I dug this stat up and it blew my mind. I'm gonna pose a question to y'all, okay? Ziegler had four steals. Can you guess who was second with three steals on the team in in yesterday's game? I'll give you I'll I'll give you one hint, okay? He also led the team in rebounds. Hmm. Uh. Oh, Ganey. Ganey. That's like what? <laughs> Ganey's I'm telling you, dude, he gets his confidence and he's a different different animal. He listens yeah. to he listens to the podcast because uh what were we talking about about how when he doesn't hit threes he's useless? Well, <laughs> he led the team in rebounds and was second in steals. That's Yeah, I mean, apparently if he hits a shot, he plays tremendous on the defensive end too. I mean, but what I say a couple of podcasts ago, it, we, he needs this one game, and he's going to turn it around, I think. And I, it, it, he has the confidence now. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of him getting his minutes back as he gains more confidence. I mean, he played 21 minutes. 21 solid, solid minutes off the bench. And, I mean, we can't ask for more from him. I mean, the, I mean, we can, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and we really needed him yesterday because Vescovi got into foul trouble. He didn't play the last half of the of the first half, and Adu also got into foul trouble. So a, a good chunk of our scoring was gone in the last ten minutes of the first half as well. So him stepping up was big time for us yesterday. Well, and like we said, Triple J didn't score, so. You yeah, know. I, I I think I'll give him a little bit of a pass for last game, Bryce, because Rick Barnes said he missed the last two practices with the flu. So and yeah, but are we it, are we really buying that though? I am. If, if Rick Barnes says that, I I tend to believe it. I mean, he also, is a deacon. Yeah, that's true. And uh, like he, I I don't really put much stock into plus minus in basketball. I think it's kind of a hollow statistic. But he led the team in plus minus as well. So, I just think uh, that probably does explain it. I mean, I can't imagine playing with the flu, but th- that doesn't really explain the last month. But I get it, what you're saying. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all around solid win. There's really nothing negative that you could take out of it. Um, do y'all want to get into some other results from the SEC yesterday? Um, <laughs> our next opponent, Vanderbilt, had another ugly loss. They only managed 55 points against Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Gross. Uh, you know, and here's the thing. So, Ryan, we were watching the game together, and you pointed this out. So, Kentucky, do they have a defense problem? Yes. Uh, hell, hell yeah, they have a defense problem. They've played five conference games, and they're giving up 86 points a game. So, tell now- me why. Now, no, don't get me wrong. Their offense is incredible. Yes. They, I mean, they put 105 points up, so I'm not saying that. But I don't think I should be that worried about Kentucky at this point. I don't well, think. Well, okay. 
I, I agree with you, but I disagree with you. Because Big Z is going to be a problem. Yeah. And that kid, and I give I, I give all the kudos to Kentucky for this, for the whole billboard thing and getting him back. I realize now why they were talking about it and have this billboard up. This kid is definitely, I mean, he's going to be a top five draft pick, in my opinion, even probably a top three draft pick. He could shoot. I mean, he, he could flat out score. I didn't really watch the game like you guys did, so, I mean, I don't know his whole defensive side of things, but he's going to be a, a rough, a tall task for Jonas Adu. Yeah. I think what, what Bryce was getting at, Jim, is that in the last game, we, we shut down a top five offense in the country, and we also beat them at their own game offensively. We only had six points that wasn't a free throw, a three-pointer, or in the paint, which is what is Alabama's DNA. Um, so, so we beat them at their own game, and I think – at least in TBA, we can do the same thing to Kentucky. I'm not buying into we'll play with them much at Rupp yet. No, I mean, I, I, I'm i not taking anything away. Like I, They're obviously a really, really great team. I just think their defense is Swiss cheese right now. And I think, you know, I mean, like you said, against Alabama, that's another potent offense. And granted, Alabama is nowhere near – what Kentucky is offensively, in my opinion. I know statistically they have been, but I don't think anybody looks at that roster and thinks Alabama has the same guys that Kentucky does. I'm just saying I don't think scoring will be a problem. I think it'll be those games will be close for sure. I just the fact that Georgia scored ninety six on them just kind of blew my mind a little. Yeah, they scored sixty one points in one half. So Yeah. In Rupp. Yeah. I mean uh, I think both of those games are headed to be shootouts unless one team just is ice cold shooting. Well, and and like you said, the the whole rep thing, it's I don't know. I mean, Kentucky has not seen a defense like Tennessee yet, and I mean, actually, they because they lost to Kansas as well, and I mean, don't get me wrong, Kansas is having a pretty crappy year, but for Kansas standards, but I mean, they play good defense as well. And um, I just uh, – I think you're right, Ryan. I think it's going to be a very close game, even in Rupp. I know I know. we say, you know, Rupp's a tough place to play. I mean, every road game's tough. But um, I think it's going to be a really good game because, like Bryce said, it's you got our offense going against their bad defense, but their offense is going against a, a top-two defense in the country. Yeah, I, I think the difference between us – last year and this year i mean it's not a secret is that our offense is way better but the defense is still at the same level as it's been since rick barnes has been here i mean when, when you can play the same level of defense and score with, with 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 the elite offensive teams now it's it's going to be interesting to show, see how everything shakes out against these high caliber offensive teams now i'll tell you who did impress me is auburn so Auburn easily dispatched Ole Miss. That was an impressive win, in my opinion. I think I think Auburn is a problem. Yeah. But yes, think, but we we luckily have them at home. Yeah, so. that's the only time we have to play them is in Knoxville, so that definitely changes things. Um, yeah. We talked about how every SEC road game is tough, with the exception of our next game. <laughs> so 
the the Vols actually are off during the week. We don't have a, a weeknight game this week. Our next game is Saturday in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Um, preview that game real quick. All of us will be in attendance at that game since it's in Nashville. So I think all of us feel pretty confident about the, this game. I mean, you, you don't really want to take any SEC opponent lightly. There's still a SEC school. It's still a SEC road game, even though it probably will be mostly Vols fans there. Do you guys have any shred? I mean, being objective, do you guys have any shred of like nervousness for this game? No, I wouldn't call it nervousness. I'm not nervous at all. It's more of like a, you know, like you said, I mean, you can't take any team for granted, um, especially on the road. But is this really a road game? That's yeah. the thing. Like, it literally might not be a road game. Especially yeah. this year with the way Vanderbilt's been playing. You'll have the students, of course. But, like, do they – I mean, I don't think their students are, like, fans by all, by any means. They're, they're not. They're going to be studying for finals. Well, I think a lot of their students, though, are pretty much Tennessee fans if they're, like, a – if they have any – or they're just Vanderbilt baseball fans and they're just there for the free – you know, tickets and because I feel like you got to just hand out tickets there, right? Probably. Um, to answer your question, Bryce, I watched us. We were freshly ranked number one in the country in 2019, and our next game was at Vanderbilt, and we had to go to overtime to beat them. And it took a legendary performance from Grant Williams to pull that one out. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but this Vanderbilt team is pretty abysmal. But 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 if there's one team they're going to play well against, you know it's going to be Tennessee. Yeah, they're, I was about to say, you know they're going to get up, especially when you know like they're going to see all that orange in the crowd. Like they're going to want to get up for this game. Um, yeah. I I do think though, like I think they might struggle to score fifty points. I mean, they yeah. average six. They only average sixty-seven points. Yeah, I I, I think it would take a pretty bad effort from our team for that game to be you know not a 20 point plus margin of victory for the Vols can I put it this way if Tennessee plays like they did yesterday there is no shot they lose not even I wouldn't even give it a one percent like I feel like ESPN would put it at a hundred percent Vols are gonna win this game yeah yeah um before we move on to other topics Bryce um I just want to mention there was a sequence in the first half that I actually saw where Freddie DeLeon is driving to the basket. He gets the ball ripped from him. Okay, freshman freshman mistake, whatever. He sprints down the floor. The dude who stole it from him is about to go up for a layup, and he rips it back from this dude and then outlets it to Dalton Connect for a thunderous dunk that lit up the crowd. That was the most impressive 10-second sequence I've seen from him the entire season, and it really gives me hope that he's a a very he, – he's a player that focuses on hustling even after he makes a mistake. Yeah, DeLeon also hit a three. That was cool. Yeah, a, a crazy three. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was like a, a double clutch into the shot clock type deal. He hit yeah, a, didn't that put us up like – Either twenty or like twenty five, something like that. I think it was twenty. Yeah, at the at the very end. 
but I mean, I love the hustle, dude. Like, and, and, and that's what we talked about a couple pods ago about how, what the future looks like. I think we're going to see a lot of Freddie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Anything else y'all wanted to hit on with the basketballs before we move on? No, I think I'm good. I think, uh, I think I, I definitely like going into a long week without it, going off a 20-point win against Alabama. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Great. My, my only concern is that – sorry, Bryce. My, my only concern is that uh, since we played so hot, it's kind of unfortunate that we have to – we have a opportunity to cool off, but surely the coaches will not allow that to happen, hopefully. so. Well, and at least you get a tune-up game against Vanderbilt. <laughs> Like, yeah, and 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 the the other side of that is you get some much needed rest. So right. Well, the Lady Vols played today, and they beat Vanderbilt seventy three to sixty four, and they are now four and one in the SEC. So you know, regardless, we we made fun of them quite a bit. Um, Rightfully so. I mean, when you lose to Middle Tennessee, Ohio State, you know, you deserve it. Um, but dare I say, Kelly's doing a little bit of a good job here, I, I think. Uh, some, so here's the thing I want to say about this. People on Twitter didn't really like that I said today that it, it's nice to see that Kelly's probably calmed down the hot seat talk for now. I don't understand, and a lot of people are, like, still mad at her for some reason. I don't really understand why. I mean, I get it. You can't lose these games, but guess what? Pat Summit is not the coach anymore, and she hasn't been, and she never will be. There will, you can't replace Pat Summit. The expectation that we're going to be a Pat Summit team is, I think, a little ridiculous. I think competing for the SEC, which right now we're doing. I mean, we're 4-1 and one in the SEC. The way people are acting like, it's just abysmal and, and horrible. And I, I just I, – I think the expectation is unreachable unre- and ridiculous at this point. Like, well, uh, yeah, some of the games are bad. Uh, we all know that. And we've, we've roasted that team to hell. But she's doing her job in the SEC so far. I don't – the days of, you know, Tennessee <laughs> – sweeping the sec that's not gonna happen and it's time like guys it's been almost a decade like it's time for that expectation to cool down i think well i mean it's it's exactly like the saban thing yeah i mean it's exactly like that you're not gonna replace nick saban i don't care what happened you're not gonna replace pat summit it's not going to happen. I understand that we're used to all these national titles, but I mean, look at teams like South Carolina, LSU. I mean, it's going to happen. Teams are going to be better than us. I mean, this team looks like they have heart, man. They really do. They really, I seen it. They love the coach after she got her hundredth win today. And I seen the girls love the coach. You could tell. And, um, hopefully, uh, though that I'm, I'm hoping Raki is okay. Cause I know she didn't play any of the fourth quarter, but, I yeah. mean, Vanderbilt the, had one loss coming into today. Yeah, they were seventeen and two overall, too. Yeah, like what? I I just don't understand like what people. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, Ryan. Bryce, we we beat a solid team. That, that a very solid team today. 
without our best player for much of the fourth quarter. Um, that that encourages me, and it's like what what you said. If you're mad at Kelly right now, after what she's done to start conference play, you just have an axe to grind against her. Because I, I was feeling the same way a month ago, but. I don't understand how you can still be dwelling on what happened a month ago when she's doing so well to start conference play. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I, I want her to sustain it and win at least 12 to 13 games in conference and have a decent run in the tournament. But, you know, you can't look into the future. Like I, It's like I said, anybody who's still mad at Kelly right now is just being a douchebag. Simple. That was kind of my point. It like I, I totally understand, you know, being upset that we haven't been what we should be. I, I totally get that. But since conference play has started, what can you be mad about? Uh, I mean, you, you the, your only loss was on the road, so not much. No, and you know what? I do want to give a shout out to a certain player, other than Rakia Jackson. But uh, Jasmine Powell went off today. I mean, 16 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, and 2 steals. What a game. And I don't know if you guys watched it, but she hit someone with a Euro step, and they about came out of their shoes. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, okay, uh, who is this? And uh, can you stay around? Because uh, you have her, uh, Rakia, and Spears going off. I mean, whew. It's gonna be. Uh, I'm. I'm hoping they stay the way they're going, man. I really do. They. They look. They look like they turned the corner, and they look like the team that we're we were expecting them to be this year. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep and, it up. And don't get. Yeah. Don't get us wrong. Like if they lose like five in a row or something, or an early like first first round exit in the tournament, like we'll be we'll be just as busy as everybody else. I just think let's let's calm some of that down. Like you know. They're doing what they need to do so far. If it gets bad, like we'll be the first one saying it. But I just think yep. some of the talk is a little ridiculous. Yep, I totally agree. All right, so uh, there was there was some other big news around Knoxville today. Uh, kind of more in our wheelhouse. Have, did you guys hear the news? Did you hear about Heard? Did you oh, yeah. have you heard? Have you, you heard, heard the news? Yeah. So, yeah, monster of a man. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been expecting it for a couple of weeks now. Everybody's been hoping that we're going to get the news. And it finally came out. We had a pretty good feeling. You know, you never want to say anything for sure. I mean, when you're dealing with young adults, you don't ever know if it's for sure. But we felt pretty good about it for a couple of weeks now. Um, and then it came out a couple of days ago. He was in the student directory and all that. So we felt like it was coming this weekend. So it was good to finally get that assurance. And I think everybody now that has been bitching about the O-line and hopefully everybody calms down now because it looks like we got a real player. Yeah, if, if you don't recognize that this coaching staff knows what the hell they're doing, in the transfer portal at this point, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> if, if I keep going, I'll say something not very nice. I mean, so far, uh, they've done all right. I think Hurd's such a good pickup, man. I, the fact that we're going to have John Campbell on one side and Hurd on the other is huge. Um, 
I'm still worried that I still think we need another interior lineman. Um, I don't know if we're going to get one. I, I At this point, we might have to wait till the end of spring. But, um, you know, on the defensive side, I mean, we did pick up the kid from Stanford. Uh, I'm not good with names. I mean, we had to, what we had to do, Bryce, we had to uh, call Congress to get uh, yeah, who we got. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous, man. Like, we spent like 20 minutes trying to find the freaking dude's name. Um, but, but yeah, we got him. We got him. So that's another addition to the trenches. Yeah, and I, I think, dude, our our defensive line seems like it's going to be one of the most experienced lines in the country. And same thing with the offensive line. I mean, now you got Hurd, who has, I think, three years of eligibility. And, yeah. you know, he looks like he's going to be a future first-rounder. I mean, the guy's got all the tangibles. I mean, the, he's gigantic. And... um he played pretty well. I, I know uh, a lot of my LSU uh, Twitter buddies were telling me that he's a good get, and they're you know a lot of them were hoping he was coming back. So that's good. That's good on our side. Um, but I think hype is not done, man. Uh, we we should get another big time recruit tomorrow. Um, George McIntyre is set to commit tomorrow. He was at the Alabama Tennessee game uh, yesterday, and it looked like all smiles, man. And not only that, dude. I'm telling you, give Hypo another two years. This his recruiting has been actually very good these past three and a half, you know, cycles that he had, um, and he's finally getting his players that he recruited throughout the mix, and which was good. Which is why I think the whole Tyler Barron, all these guys leaving, were was a good thing. And I don't yeah. know about you guys, but I think it was a very good thing. And we're gonna see all these young guys that you know, have the talent and are hungry to play. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to be sure to mention the Stanford defensive lineman's name since we promised we would tell y'all when we found out. Okay, here we go. Jackson Moey. I'm assuming that's how you say it. Cause he is Polynesian. We've got that Polynesian pipeline, son. Mm-hmm. I do. And, and they're all the, every single one of them are hungry and talented and super, you know, dude, every time I watch them play, they they play with a different mindset, it looks like. And they, they have so much pride in what they do, and it, I, I love having them on our team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee has had their share of Polynesian impact players in the past, so hopefully Moe and – when Nico will live up to that same tradition, if not exceed it. Keenan Peely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. dude, I cannot wait to watch him play. I was so like, I I was at the uh, the Nashville game, the first game of the year against Virginia. Yep. And watching Peely play, bro, he is so he's actually a lot better than people think he is, and he's gonna be such a leader this year. And I just, God forbid, I just want him to stay healthy. And with him and Arian Carter and Caleb Herring, you got to, and, and T Lander. I mean, you got a solid linebacker group that we just need to stay healthy. There's a yep. lot to be excited about in that group, in that room, I think. Um, piggybacking off of what you said, Jim, I think I, I do see your point uh, about maybe doing a little bit more on the O line, especially 
I mean, Spragans, we all think is coming back, but we don't know for sure. He's coming back, Bryce. He is. I read sure. it. I read it on VolQuest today. Okay. Well, that may, see that should make everybody feel even better too, because without Spragans, then you really can't feel good about either guard spot, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. right now, the one one guard spot's a little iffy. I don't know. Do you guys think it'll be Dane or Lampley? I I don't know, but. Four out of the five line spots, you have to feel amazing about. Yeah, yeah like I said, I mean, we need, we just need a little bit more depth. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, the you still have Andre Karch in the wings, I think, um, and you also have you know these slew of freshman offensive linemen you have coming in, and who knows, maybe they can hold down one of those spots. Um, but I, I'm feeling pretty good about the offensive line at this point, Bryce, especially with Hurd, and I wrote about it today. And it's no secret. I mean, John Campbell has been posting videos of himself working out at, at right tackle before the commitment today. So, to me, he was made full, fully aware that part of the plan was for him to go to right tackle to make their best pitch to Hurd. And if he's willing to do that in his last year of college football, as a veter- uber veteran player, that means he just has a lot of love and respect for the University of Tennessee and, wa- and wants what is best for the team which I love. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also, who doesn't want to play with Nico? Like, yeah. Nico seems such a, like a good kid to be around. And, dude, Campbell, he's been putting in the work, man. Um, Campbell's such a good tackle in general. And I think he is just thinking, it don't matter what side I'm on, no one's getting to my quarterback. And that's, all, that's what we need. I, I mean... You're looking at probably one one of the strongest left tackle right tackle duo in the country right here. Yeah, I mean, and like we, you we, said, Ryan, like you said, you know, it's not like he's a hundred percent not going to the next level now. I mean, we just put a right tackle in the NFL. Yeah, like yeah, in the top half of the first round. It's not like he's you know, like screwed for his future or anything. So hopefully, I mean, obviously that message got through to him. Like you said, obviously he just values being here no matter what position he's at. Um, I do think, you know, we're a Spragans or Mays injury away from having a really like kind of a scary proposition. But I mean, you can say that about a lot of positions. And I think like Jim alluded to earlier, there's some stuff in the spring. The portal opens back up after the spring practice. Who knows what will happen then? I mean, there's still a lot that could th- – th- this roster is not finalized. It won't be for a while. So, I think you got to feel pretty good about where they're at right now, uh, like I said, starter-wise especially. So, yeah, it, it's a good good pickup for sure. And then tomorrow, guys, uh, like Jim, you said, should be getting another big-time recruit tomorrow, right? Yeah, I, at this point, it seems like it's a lock. The fact that he's in Knoxville and watching a game right next to Josh Heupel. And actually, the person next to Josh Heupel on the other side is Marcus Harris, a five-star receiver uh, out of California, the number one receiver actually in the class. Um, I hear a lot of good things about George McIntyre. Not only is he a talented quarterback, but he's another Nico in a sense to where a lot of people want to play with him. And um, I think it's it's nice to see all these recruits in here early 
in the in the recruiting cycle. And uh, I think this George McIntyre thing is going to be kind of like a Boo Carter situation where these kids gravitate to a kid like that and look to the future with them. Because, I mean, I, I'm not sure where he sits quarterback-wise. I'm pretty sure he's the third quarterback in the class. Um, but kid's very talented. He'll be able to play behind Nico and Jake Merklinger. And a lot of people are sleeping on Jake. I'm not saying anything bad about Jake. I mean, he's Mark Slinger, bro. He's. I'm telling you, every time he, I've heard him talk, is saying, "I'm not coming here to be a second string. He's coming here to play. He's going to compete, and that's what we need." Yeah. Well, George McIntyre. Sorry, Bryce. No, George McIntyre is the number three ranked quarterback in the 2025 class per on three. Number 16 overall in the country. So I totally agree, Jim. He, people are going to want to play with, with with that kid, and getting him committed early behooves Tennessee greatly. Well, I think the most important aspect of that, guys, is the fact that he's a top talent from Tennessee. Absolutely. Like, yeah. how much criticism, fairly or not, Heupel has faced a ton of criticism on not being able to keep in-state talent in-state. So when you have – he's got to be the top player in Tennessee, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, I mean, keeping the top player in-state, that's a huge win. I mean, regardless of anything else, you got to keep your top – your homegrown talent, you got to keep in-state. And this is a great step to doing that. So that, that made me the happiest. Yeah, I mean – Josh Heupel is dealing with the bridges, trying to rebuild the bridges that Jeremy Pruitt burned in in-state recruiting because he's told every high school coach that he, you know, was in contact with that three stars from Georgia and Alabama are better than four stars from Tennessee. So it's not entirely his fault, but when you're going into year four of your program, you have to be rebounding at this point in state, and this is a very good class to start with. Absolutely, and I know we're getting to the bitter end of the pod, but I do want to talk about I don't know if you guys watched it, but the Polynesian Bowl. I mean, Mike Matthews, man, boy, is he fast. And whew, the Jordan Ross, too. Dude, Bennett Warren, hey, I talked to him after the game uh, through a DM. That kid is a brick wall who doesn't. I repeat, he does not like to lose. And so Bennett Warren. Oh my dude, kids a brick wall. Every snap it looked like it was effortless. No one got to that quarterback. Um you know, all of the we had five in the game. Mm-hmm. Mike Matthews did great. Jordan Ross did amazing. Bennett Warren was a stud. Merk Merklinger, Merk Slinger is and should have been a five-star quarterback. This kid is so underrated, it's ridiculous. And Edwin Spillman, another kid out of Tennessee. I mean, dude's going to be a headhunter. And, oh, man, it's so exciting to watch, you know. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, we, you know, we don't know how the season's going to trans- transpire. But maybe not this year, but these next couple years, man, are going to be very special for this program. Dude, what, what what surprised me the most about Mike Matthews is, I mean, we all know he's fast, but he has, like, special speed. And the fact that he's also a 50-50 catch guy, too. Like, he can jump up and pluck the ball out of there. Like, he, he, he'll he be a contested catch guy. 
And it's rare to see a, a guy that can make those jump balls and also is a blazer. Like, it's rare. So he, he's got, like, both qualities that you want in a receiver. I, I think he can be a really, really special player. And I'm not convinced that he won't contribute immediately. I know Heupel doesn't, you know, typically have true freshmen contribute, but I think I, I'm really, really high on Mike Matthews. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's not even including Braylon Snell either. <laughs> yeah, when you take a pass and run it down the hashes of the middle of the field against – I mean, it's not like the Polynesian Bowl is like a two two and three-star game. It's like it features top 100 players in the country, and he made them look like they are running in sand. I mean – Oh, yeah. It's – it's. I really – I think I said it a few weeks ago. I think – that last receiver spot is Matthews to lose. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I mean, the talent is unreal. Same thing with Jordan Ross. A lot of people have been saying that, oh, he's not going to play this year. He's not going to get a lot of snaps. Bro, this kid is so fast off the line, and he tossed around a five, the number one quarterback in the nation this year. He tossed him around, and he got into the backfield and stopped the run. How, how are you looking at this kid and saying he's not going to play? If you put him as a backup to Pierce and he's going to get to watch Pierce and practice and learn from Pierce. I'm telling you, it's going to be a problem. Yep. Speaking of the receivers, y'all reminded me of something I want to close on. So, you know, we've all seen the news about Mincy going to Kentucky and being a douchebag about it, crying on Twitter about how Vols fans were hurting his feelings. Um, did you guys see the exchange that Caleb Webb had with him? Mm-mm. Oh, I did. Oh, my God. That made me love Caleb Webb. That was hilarious. So, Ryan, it was like an Instagram Live thing, and Caleb Webb basically was, like, asking him, like, why he's, like, trying to talk so much shit, you know. And uh, Mincy, I, it, it was like a self-own. He, he was, like – why don't you try getting more than 30 yards in a game before you talk shit to me? It's like, motherfucker, have you seen our wide receiver room? Like, he was a freshman. Like, you're talking shit to a freshman receiver, seriously? And Caleb <laughs> Webb is going to easily do that. So, and probably against Kentucky. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's trying to talk shit to Caleb Webb. But I just thought it was cool that Caleb Webb was like, he obviously loves being a vol. And he didn't take kindly to Mincy talking shit. So I like to see stuff like that. Yeah. Send Caleb Webb. Just put him in for one play on defense and send him on a safety blitz on Mincy's side. (laughs) And and even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, let him pop him in the mouth. That's just a bold take. Like, how are you going to go to Kentucky and then complain about Vols fans being mean to you? Like, I'm pretty sure – don't get me wrong. I'm sure some Vol fans would talk shit no matter what. But I think most of us understand, like, the business aspect of it. Like, if you want to go somewhere else, that's fine. But when you go to Kentucky or some other school that we hate, nobody's going to pat you on the back and wish you good luck. Like, sorry, that's just not how it works. Well, I mean, nobody has said anything to Tyler Barron, even if he went to Kentucky, because he actually performed. That's true, too. Yeah, that's true, too. And he wasn't a douchebag about it. Like, 
just go where you're going to go and, 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 you know, don't make, but the fact that he wanted sympathy, like we're supposed to pat him on the back and tell him good job. You went to Kentucky, dude. Like everybody, everybody hates Kentucky. And it's the second time that he's transferred in the SEC East. So maybe yeah. it's not Tennessee. That's the problem, but uh, bro, we upgraded, years. we upgraded. Like they, I'm sure they told him that, I mean, Herb was coming to town. I feel like we've known for a while. Yep. And they told him, man, like, we're we're getting this guy. He's got three years eligibility left. I mean, it, and he had, he had to leave. I don't think it was a business decision. I think they told him that he was going to be a starter. Yeah, I mean, that's very likely, Jim. <laughs> um, like, the, the, we, we were talking about the recruiting class earlier. I want to mention this before we get off here, guys. Um, the thing about our class in this, this most recent cycle is that it's ranked 13th in the country, whatever it was in the SEC, whatever, I don't care. All of these kids are studs. And the only reason it wasn't ranked higher is because we don't have as many scholarships to give out at this point because of Sling Blade before Josh Heupel. So I'm really excited. I mean, Jim, you, you spent two or three minutes on it. Like, all of these kids are studs, and they are the future is looking bright. Exactly, and I think that's a perfect way to end it. Like, I mean, the – the excitement's there, the talent's there, the coaching's there. Um, at this point, are we even thinking about the whole Willie Martinez thing? I mean, to me, I mean, he's bringing in the talent. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give him a year to coach up these young kids, but after that, if we're still struggling, then then I'm done. So. Yeah, I think this offseason's gone so well in so many different ways. Nobody's even worried about his job status at this point. Like, uh, whatever, run it back. Who cares? Yeah. Bring us right. Natty. Anything else y'all want to get off your chest? Yeah, I got um, one thing, and, and, and I'll uh, I'll be a little bit further away from my mic because I'm about to scream. Um, Nate Oates is a bitch, and I hope he has bed bugs for the rest of his life. Fuck him. <laughs> And I'm glad we whooped his ass. <laughs> You're not a fan of guys that cover up for murderers? I'm not a fan of his antics on the sideline. When he's down 20, he's complaining about a reach-in foul. Oh, oh, my God, guys. Oh, my. Okay, go, go. I just want to say, I, I just, I really am disappointed that he didn't push Adu <laughs> or Meshack. That would have been hilarious. Go ahead, Jim. No, I, I just want to talk to the Alabama fans that were complaining about the refs. Like, this happens in every single game for the home team. So don't start complaining about these refs going one way. It really wasn't. Avery was in foul trouble the first in the first half. He sat the last eight minutes of the first half. So I don't know why they're complaining. Give them another three or four fouls. You guys still lose by 15. Sorry. I mean, Mark Sears scored in garbage time. He couldn't score on Zakai Siegler. He couldn't score on Meshack. He had to score on our, you know, freshman guys. So, I don't, you know, uh, yeah, I'm done. Well, I mean, that's the definition. <laughs> Bama fans complaining about the refs is the definition of, like, pot calling the kettle black. It's just ridiculous. It's the most hypocritical thing ever. Go fuck yourself. Bama fans and every other – in football, I mean, seriously, really? You want to go That's there? a perfect way to end it right there, Bryce. I mean, yep. you, you, I th that line's it. I think that's it right there. Bama fans, go fuck yourself. Go Vols, baby.
Go Vols. Go be orange. Go Vols.